We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 96th episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. He is the co-host of Cheesehead TV Live on Cheesehead TV. He is the former owner of Titletown Soundoff. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy RVDL. Welcome to the show, Sir Jeremy Vanderlinden. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. I mean, I feel like I could be doing better, <laughs> you know, after that game. It's, a little, you know, things... I wouldn't say they're down because I'm not I'm not so dramatic, but it is uh, frustrating. There's definitely some frustration after the game today. I, I feel you. I, I feel I'm safe to assume that you're doing better than Ty Montgomery's doing right now. Oh my gosh, that guy! He should he should avoid Twitter. Like he should avoid any human contact other than his family. Don't talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough way to end a game for anyone. I feel for him, uh, you know, just because some of the comments and stuff I'm sure he's bound to get, but obviously a tough way to end the game. We'll kind of get into that in just a moment. Before we jump into the Packers exhilarating 27 to 29 loss against the Rams, Jeremy, just kind of tell all of our listeners a little bit about your story. I know obviously you're working now for Cheesehead TV as a co-host of Cheesehead TV Live, but kind of how did you get involved in all this and how did you get to where you are today? So I started back in 2012, uh, you know, I talked Packers with my brother a lot and he, he's a graphic designer and he was like, Hey man, like you, you're constantly talking about the Packers. You should write about it. So, uh, he actually built that website. Um, and so I, I ran that for a while for a few years 
And, you know, I want to say that was maybe four or five years or something like that. And I just, I really got my start because of Cheesehead TV. Like I, you know, was constantly on the website and, and, and forums and all kinds of stuff, talking Packers. And just, I couldn't, I couldn't stop, you know, it was anything I cared about. And so I was like, okay, I'll do this and I'll kind of see what happens. And we started a podcast pretty much right away. It was my friend Bobo and I, Bobo is not really in the, in the Packer blogosphere anymore. He's doing his own thing, but um, he and I kind of launched that show and, and um, we went from there. I, I ended up going to school for broadcasting and, and I did an internship at ESPN Milwaukee. Uh, I got hired by Good Karma Brands who owns ESPN Milwaukee. And then I moved out to Phoenix shortly after. So I'm in Phoenix now. I, I don't have a job. I'm a stay at home dad. I, I hang out at home and I podcast and that's just kind of my life. I, I like to talk Packers. I, and and that's what I get to do. I get to I get to podcast on Cheesehead TV, which is an honor to be at this place where, like, when I was younger, when I was really diving into the Packers like crazy, that's the place that I would go to for my information. And it's just really cool to be part of that team. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really a cool time to be a part of it right now. Obviously, I had uh, Corey Benke on last week, and we talked a little bit about that as well. But there's just kind of a, a really cool buzz with Cheesehead TV right now. We're doing a lot of amazing stuff. And right. obviously, your work on Cheesehead TV Live is a huge part of that as well. You, you know, a lot of people may not know this, uh, but you were actually the very first person who gave me my really first opportunity writing for Title Town Sound Off. I had a blog, you know, called Scani Sports. It was scanisports.com uh, where I did some Packers and Badgers and Bucks and Brewers writing. And I, I think pretty much, you know, three or four of my family members and uh, some people <laughs> who stumbled upon the website completely by accident, probably looking for random other Scani bar stuff or things like that, were the ones who stumbled upon my work. But outside of that, which I had done earlier in my life, and that's how I still have the kind of crappy Twitter handle that I do today. Uh, you were the one who kind of gave me that opportunity at Title Town Sound Off and kind of got this whole crazy ball rolling. So thank you for that, by the way. Well, I was going to tell you, you know, I'm really impressed with where you're at. Like, how does it feel to be a celebrity? You just said in the uh, in in the um, the Power Sweep did their, uh, you know, they sent out that survey to to the Packers blogosphere people that that write and do podcasts and stuff. And you were one of the top Twitter accounts to follow. Your podcast uh, Pack a Day is already one of the top podcasts to listen to, and it's great because it's every single every single day. There's there's Packers talk because of because of your idea to do this, and it must feel awesome to just be like like you just started this show and you're already something that people care to make sure they plug into every day and every week. I mean, how does that feel to be to be there? Well, a couple things. First of all, for anyone listening, I absolutely made Jeremy say that and ask me that question uh, <laughs> first and foremost. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, secondly, it's. It's really, really crazy. So as I was kind of talking with Corey, uh, you know, last week, about a year and a half ago, I was just starting to get involved with Cheesehead TV. And I don't even think it was that long ago. And, you know, I didn't really have that big of a following. In fact, uh, when the the Power Sweep did their their article a year ago, I actually responded back to them and I said, one, I would love to be involved in the, you know, in, in just the discussion and the voting a year from now. Uh, yeah. And then long term, I would love to be involved in those rankings and actually have an opportunity to be in those and no yeah. way should perform in a million years. One <laughs> year later, did I expect to, you know, be, uh, you know, 
even on the list, much less where it was. So it's been really kind of crazy and surreal. And, and more importantly than that, the, the cooler thing is just getting to do all the crazy cool things that I've been able to do through the course of the last year. So getting to do some of the TV stuff, the radio stuff, the podcast stuff, and, and all of that sounds really, you know, flashy and cool. What, what I more mean by that is getting to talk to some of the people about Packers that I value their opinions so incredibly much on, whether it's a Lily Zell on TV, Marcus Eversall on the radio, right. uh, a lot of the people that I'm podcasting with, like one, the, the group of people we have podcasting is incredible. You know, just everyone. I, I don't want to name one or two people because I'd have to go through all 20 because they're all incredible. But then to have the guests that we've had come on, whether it be Ben Fennel, Justice Mosqueda, you know, yourself, Corey Banky, Aaron Negler, and the list goes on and on. And we're not even at 100 days yet. So that's uh, crazy. That's crazy, man. That's a huge I did some quick growth really fast. I mean, you grind really hard. You do a lot of work. I tried film breakdown and I like doing it. And I feel like I was just kind of getting into it. Like I, I just hit the tip of the iceberg and there was a lot for me to learn still. And, you know, I'm still learning those things, but the work that goes into doing any kind of breakdown, looking at every play, every snap for what, you know, like the stuff that you put together is impressive stuff. That's a grind, man. And you, you know, you're going at it. And so this show pack a day is great. And I I'm, I'm really proud to be on the same team as you and, and this show to have my show, uh, to have cheesehead TV live mentioned in the same breath as the stuff that's going on at cheesehead TV is just really, it's really awesome for me. And I I'm really enjoying being part of that. You know, let's just totally go off script. Let's not even talk Packers Rams. Let's just talk about how awesome the stuff that you and I are doing is. I think that's what our listeners really, really want to hear today. Anyway. Right. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and, yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, let's jump right in. Packers lose 27 to 29 uh, to the LA Rams in LA. It was a very entertaining game back and forth. Uh, you know, there were leads on both sides there. You know, I think each team at lead, at least had a double digit lead at one point in the game. Uh, Rams ultimately come out on top by two points, which seems kind of apropos uh, based on the safety that happened in the game. But what are your kind of initial thoughts? What were your takeaways from this game? You know, uh, I'm very frustrated. Obviously, I said that before. Uh, it sucks that that this team came out of the bye seemingly ready to win this football game, to still have an offense that disappeared for a chunk of time. You know, and I don't want to get too detailed on offense because I know we're going to go there specifically. So just my overall thoughts are this team looked ready to win this game. And so there were some encouraging things that we saw today, but then there were frustrating things that remain from pre-buy Packers, you know, and I, and I said before the game on the pregame show today, if pre-buy Packers are what show up for this football game, there's no way they're going to win this game. And they came out, especially defensively, they came out swinging. They, you know, they played a really good game and Jair Alexander specifically blew my mind today. Um, lots of great stuff. But then to fall short that way is just so deflating. You know, you feel like you're climbing out, watching that game. You feel like you're watching this team climb out of a hole that they've been laying in since uh, like 2011, since, or, you know, not 11, what, three, four years ago, they've been in this like weird place, right? And you're finally watching them climb out that hole and then to fall in their face at the end. It's just like, that's the epitome of this football team for the last four years. Uh, yeah, 
and even, you know, sooner than that, it, it seems kind of to be a little bit of a theme this year as well, where it just seems to be something just a little bit different every single week, whether it's, you know, and, you know, the league plays a part in this as well, but whether it's the, you know, the Clay Matthews, you know, penalty that could have resulted in a Packers win against Minnesota, whether it's the missed field goals by Mason Crosby, you know, this week, whether it's the safety, the Ty Montgomery fumble, uh, just little things here and there, but those little things, especially in this league, especially against teams like the Rams and the Vikings, those things end up in losses, or I guess in the Vikings case in the tie, but it, it just has to be a little bit cleaner. Right. You know, there's a, there's, there's a fine line between trends and attributes. Like this is no longer the trend of this football team. These are attributes of this football team. These, these little things that they fail in are now just like part of their personality as a team. It's it's happened for so long. It's happened for just it's happened for too long. And now it's just like part of who they are a team that now I used to feel like when the Packers come out of the bye, they're going to crush. They're just going to crush it. They're going to be great. Mike does so good in the bye. They come out of the bye. They're going to be awesome. And now when they come out of the bye, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not so sure. And then every game, every game for a while, it was this feeling of like, well, you know, eventually they're going to bounce back and that talent is is finally going to show up because all that talent is there and it's finally going to show up and they're going to put it together for a whole game. No, they're not. We've we've been watching this for four years now. No, they're not going to show up and start putting it together. We've been waiting week in and week out. We wait for that. This is the personality of this football team. They're like a terrible, terrible comedy. It's just, it sucks. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I think something odd kind of struck me today a little bit. For the longest time, the Packers were the team that maybe they could get down a little bit early in the game. And there was just always this innate confidence of, well, the Packers are going to put it together and Aaron Rodgers will go on a run and everything will be just fine. I remember specifically some games against the Carolina Panthers where they were down and it was just like, it's not going to matter because Rodgers and this team will bring it back and they'll win the game and everything will be fine. Today, and maybe more recently, it almost felt flipped, especially against a team like the Rams. They were up 10 nothing early, but you almost had this innate feeling of they didn't get enough points and they didn't strike when the iron was hot. The Rams right. were struggling yep. early. They were playing really great football, and they were only up 10 to nothing. And there was almost this feeling of, man, at some point the Rams are just going to get going and they're going to figure this out and they're going to put up some points. And it, it probably isn't going to be enough that the Packers are only up 10 nothing at this point. And sure enough, that kind of ended up being the end result. And obviously a lot went into that, but it just kind of, it's been flipped a little bit. It's right. not the Packers that are the ones that are imposing their will and the ones that are going to come back and win the game. It's teams against them, like the Rams, that you're like, oh, they're going to come back and do something. Right, that's exactly it. I don't, when the Packers are playing well, I don't have this feeling of like, okay, they're going to have a good game today. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly the, the, for, the, for the, flip to, the switch to flip and for them to go back into the hole and, and to struggle. And they did that today. They came out hot on offense. And then what happens? Mike takes Aaron Jones off the field. He's having one heck of a game. You know, he's, I think, I don't know what his totals were, but at some point, he was averaging like nearly eight yards a carry and Mike's taking him off the field for Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. The offense kind of slows down. It starts to sputter. They can't get it going. When, like you said, when the iron's hot, they can't get it going. And then finally the Rams get their bearings and they pull it together. And like, I, I just, I don't trust this team to keep it together for four quarters. They just can't do it. They can't do it. 
Yeah, Jones finished with 12 carries for 86 yards, but totally agree. It seems like uh, just should have been a little bit more. And I know it's a, a tired conversation that every talk show host and podcast and everyone is talking about how Aaron Jones needs more carries, but it's just so blatantly obvious. Right. I've never seen any topic like this where everyone you talk to, whether it is Aaron Rodgers who said that Aaron Jones needs to get the ball more, whether it's the film people, the casual fan, right. you know, everyone that you ask, like who needs to touch the ball, who needs to get the ball, everyone knows Aaron Jones needs to get the ball more. It seems the only person who's in the dark or doesn't seem to want to do that is Mike McCarthy or Joe Philbin or the offense as a whole. Well, it- I, you know, I have I have my comments on McCarthy. I he's so stubborn to a fault. He is super stubborn. But here's let's, you know, this is to me, it is a little bit of a renewed topic because coming out of the bye, it was like, okay, let's see if he finally does it. They got it. They're going to do this quote unquote self-scouting that Mike McCarthy talked about. We're going to self-scout. Great. Well, if you were self-scouting, you would realize that the best guy in your backfield is Aaron Jones and that's it. And you need to plug him in and go with it. Here's the thing. Ty Montgomery for me does not do enough as a running back to give any snaps ahead of either of the other two guys. He just doesn't do enough there. So so I don't understand why Aaron Jones comes off the field as often as he does. I don't understand why Ty Montgomery would get snaps over Aaron Jones. Fine, if you want to re- rotate Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, fine. That doesn't bother me. Ty Montgomery, though, between the uh, in that group of three, is the least of the three. But, what, two years ago, Mike McCarthy said, oh, Ty Montgomery's our running back, and he's a good running back. Again, it's the stubbornness of Mike McCarthy. He believes that Ty Montgomery is worth that time. He believes that Ty Montgomery is a good running back. So he keeps plugging him in, putting him on, put him on the field. You don't need to. You don't need you have two stud running backs. One of them looks like he could be beyond stud running back, looks like he could actually be a star in the league, and you don't use him. I don't understand. Like, let's look at it from the perspective of the Rams. If the Rams it, it, let's say Sean McVay was running this Packers offense. What would he do with this offense? He would run the ball a lot and use play action because that's what he does with the offense that he currently has with Todd Gurley. Yeah, Aaron Jones, maybe he's not Todd Gurley, but he's pretty damn good. And then you have the best quarterback in the league to go with it. Hell yeah. I want that 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 McVay offense for this this squad with the talent on this squad. Hell yeah, that would that would destroy with the guys that are in, in Green Bay. Um, but instead, you know, Mike's just Mike, he's so stubborn. He is just so, I don't know, man. He's in his own head. He thinks he knows everything, and, and, and he does not diverge from what he thinks he knows is right. Yeah, I can't think of a parallel in NFL history, at least off the top of my head, of a player that looks so good and can't consistently get in the game I, in, on any team. I, I can't think of anything in any scenario where a player is so explosive when he touches the ball and just can't get in the game. It just It's so weird to me. I, I don't know if you can think of a player, but I know I, I can. Dude, I can't because it doesn't – like it literally doesn't make sense. Like it literally does not – I can't – I'm trying to think of like what conversations must Mike be having where he thinks that, you know, maybe does he not know that, you know, like we're not giving Aaron Jones the snaps that he should have? Like does he not know Aaron Jones snap counts mid-game? Does he not know – the, I mean, obviously, yes, he knows the information. He knows the, the statistics. He knows who's running the ball well because they feed him that information throughout the game. He knows that information. What conversation is he having that tells him he feels like the best thing to do is 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 split the carries like almost evenly between the three guys? Yeah. 
it's silliness. Know. It's pure silliness. I, I, it's so frustrating. I, I don't disagree one, but in fact, I totally agree. So let's talk something more positive. Who were your players of the game today? Well, Aaron Jones, fantastic game. Uh, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, and then I'm going to throw MVS in there for having that big play because even when Cobb is back and Geronimo's back, boom, this rookie is still active in the offense, and I think that is a very encouraging sign. I love that he and uh, Equinemius both had catches today. I think, you know, that's – that's huge that these these rookies, these two rookies are looking like they can be part a part of a productive offense. Um, so I th- I think that, you know, for players of the game, I'm gonna keep it to those guys who had some some bigger plays, but I'm gonna give honorable mention to MVS and Equinemius for being still being active in the offense with all the receivers healthy. Yeah, and those uh, snaps and those catches will play dividends long term, especially as, you know, Randall Cobb's in the last year of his deal, uh, you know, to go into next year with Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, MVS, and Equinemius St. Brown, that certainly feels, uh, you know, right now like a position that they're not going to have to spend much attention on going into the offseason. So that's a great, great, and that doesn't even mention Jamon Moore, who has a lot of talent if he puts it together. So that's a good situation to be in. Uh, my players of the game, I had Jair Alexander as well. I thought he was an absolute machine. Yeah, I gave up a couple passes, but man, he was all over the place. I saw one stat that said he had five pass breakups. Um, I'm not sure if it was exactly that much, but if that's the case, my goodness. And if it wasn't, it was at least four. And uh, he, he was phenomenal. I thought Blake Martinez, I've been critical of Blake Martinez, uh, you know, certainly this year. I, th- I thought he's a good player, maybe not a great player. I thought at first glance, he had a fantastic game today. You mentioned Kenny Clark, two sacks, dominant performance once again. No surprise out of him. And then Devontae Adams, there were times in this game where it definitely felt like he was just kind of willing this team on when they needed a big play. It was Devontae Adams' time, and he just proves time and time again just how great of a player he is. He's consistent, man. He's just consistently that good. And that's the thing about him. Like Even when Rodgers was down last year and he had to play with Brett Hundley, what we're seeing with him now is what he was then. Like Nobody else could play with Brett Hundley the way that he was. He's just he's he is that damn good. He's really really good. I love Devonte Adams. I, and when he was a rookie, I said you know I thought that he was going to be great. He's fantastic at making people miss. Um, even then, his rookie year, you could see that he was going to be a big uh, yards after catch guy. He was he was going to be able to to uh, make people miss a lot, and he does that. Man, he's so impressive. He just really is very impressive. Yeah, it keeps getting better, which is really the crazy part. So uh, taking a look at the offense, Rodgers today ended 18 of 30, 286 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Aaron Jones, as we already talked about, 12 carries, 86 yards. Devontae Adams, five catches, 133 yards. Just, again, another phenomenal performance by him. MVS had the great 40-yard touchdown catch, and, man, he just absolutely blew by his man at the line of scrimmage. That was an impressive play. And then I really thought it was unique. They We touched base on it, whereas maybe a negative thing on the running back side of things, but they really seemed to rotate their players in more on offense, especially in the first half. Um, I thought they got some unique matchups. They played Robert Tanyan a little bit more. It didn't really result in a ton, but I like some of the different looks that they were putting out there, some of the different matchups, again, outside of Aaron Jones not getting enough snaps and touches at running back. But how did you feel the offense kind of performed as a whole? I, I thought I was encouraged by a lot of things. Like I said, they did disappear for a while. Uh, they they didn't take advantage of the momentum they had early in the game. That was very frustrating. Um, but honestly, there are a lot of positives to take away from the offense. One thing that really did bother me, though, is that Jimmy Graham seemed to disappear. 
Uh, you know, he had that one big catch early in the game. Looked like it was going to be a touchdown. I think he might have had another catch or two after that. But I, I felt like there would have been more Jimmy Graham today uh, than than what I saw. Now, I when I watch the game, though, I'm in the bar. I'm talking to people. So maybe I missed a couple of things with Jimmy Graham. But I just felt like he disappeared today. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the tough things, obviously, I think they ended with less than 60 total snaps on offense. And when you are trying to get all these guys in the game and you're trying to get the ball to MVS and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, there is only so many touches, obviously, that can go around and, and so many big plays that are able to be made. But, yeah, it would have been nice to see Jimmy Graham get a little bit more attention. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And, and that goes for probably the season as a whole. I thought the couple games before the bye, he was starting to get going a little bit more, but definitely disappeared. And as you mentioned, the offense had those stretches again, where it just seems they can't get anything going, which for the talent they have on this team on offense, especially when they're fully healthy, just doesn't seem like it should be the case. And they should not struggle either, uh, you know, trying to punch it in when they get closer to the red zone. When you've got guys like Jimmy Graham, like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, some of these guys who are fantastic red zone weapons, uh, they got to get touchdowns and not field goals and and be more consistent in that realm as well. Yeah, this this team, this team on offense, they have a slew of talent. It's a very talented offense. And the fact that they can't play a full game is, is just, um, it's, it's boggling. I, I, it's mind boggling. Like I don't, I don't understand how the talent that's on this offense can't be utilized in a way that, that that's consistent, that functions consistently, maybe a little too much rotation. Maybe Mike's trying to do a little bit too much, but I, I don't get it. There's, there's plenty of talent here for them to work with. They're stacked at some positions and, uh, it should be more consistent. It should be much more consistent. And when they get the ball towards the end of the game, you know, when they have to have it, they can drive down and go score when it's like, okay, well, where was this for like, you know, a quarter and a half? Where, where have you been with this stuff? Why does it take until your backs are against the wall to then be able to go down, drive and score and get ahead? You know, um, I'm I'm ready for that spottiness to be done. They're worth encouraging things to me today that made me feel like maybe we're at the edge of the woods and they can they're going to start getting better as they get more comfortable together. Like Jimmy Graham is still, you know, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers is still young where they're they're working on things on the field even like in the San Francisco game like Jimmy Graham not knowing where to go uh when he's sitting in the zone and kind of like, you know, floating over one direction and Rogers expecting him like to either stay still or go the other way. And those miscommunications, like those will clear up. Rogers will play even better with the talent that's there. And maybe that's part of the inconsistency. Like everybody blames Mike, including me, but maybe it's not Mike as much as it, you know, it's a young group of receivers and uh, young running backs still, you know, they're only in their second year and Jimmy Graham's new to the team. Maybe it's, this year, maybe the issue is relationship. They just still need to work on the, the relationships that they have there. Yeah, it's it's really tough to put your finger on. I've watched, as you know, every snap of every game on offense, and I, I really struggle to put in words and, and try to formulate even a, a strong take on exactly what is going wrong. There seems just to be a rhythm issue at times. I've said for a long time exactly what Mike McCarthy said coming out of his self-scout is that they have to run the ball more. And I know they have – some of the run pass options where if the box is stacked, they can throw the little smoke screen to the outside or a little slant. 
you know, they've got some of those plays, but I still think, you know, even though some of those plays are working well, I think you have to stay dedicated to the running game and get the running backs the ball because it sets up play action. And we saw early in the game when the running game is going well and play action is going well, you know, the, the offense just looks way, way better. So I thought that's something that, that needs to get going and they need to have more rhythm, but it's tough to exactly put your finger on what's, you know, happening on offense and why they aren't more consistent, but it's a tough league. The defenses are getting paid too. So tip your cap, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, Taking a look at the defense, some of the highlights today, uh, Blake Martinez had 12 tackles in a sack. Uh, Clay Matthews had a sack. I thought he played one of his better games. Kenny Clark, two sacks. Again, dominant performance. We touched base on Jair Alexander. Uh, interesting note, Jermaine Whitehead got the nod over Kentrell Bryce as the starting uh, safety and the base safety. Kentrell Bryce played a lot in their dime formations, which is also of note. They went with uh, When they went with six defensive backs, they really went with three safeties and three corners preferring uh, Bryson Whitehead over a player like Josh Jackson. I thought that was a little bit interesting. They did not force any turnovers. I heard some people throwing around the the term great today for the Packers defensive performance. And listen, through the first, maybe even half of this game, I think you could make the, the argument that they were great. And they were not set up a lot. You know, the offense did not get any like time consuming drives. As I mentioned, the offense ran under 60 plays. Uh, The defense was on the field for over 75 snaps. But in a game where you allow 27 points, 416 yards, Todd Gurley had almost 200 total yards. Goff had almost 300 yards. They couldn't force any turnovers and they couldn't really get some of the stops late in the game when they needed to. I did not put this as a great defensive performance. I think you can say good. I think you could even maybe say, you know, I, I think you can easily say that it was a winnable performance by the defense, especially against a really good Rams offense. But I don't think I could label this as a great performance. What did you think of the defensive performance as a whole? I think it's fair to say that great is maybe too strong of a word. I think it was good and definitely good enough to win. Now, early in the game, they were great. They were yep. they were insanely good early in the game. And I was actually very impressed uh, with Jared Goff. You know, it's a credit to him that he, uh, in the with the pressure that he was dealing with at times, that he wasn't, you know, slinging the ball recklessly, that he kept his kept it in, you know, under control. Uh, because the Packers were were creating a lot of chaos early on, then you know, then somewhere in the middle of the game, things started to get a little muddy for them, and it started to get hard. And I think it's probably the sixty snap thing. You know, the the, the amount of snaps they were getting tired, they needed a breather, and the offense wasn't helping them with that. Um, so I think defensively, though, I, I one thing I would say is late. I'd say they did get the stops they needed because to hold that offense to nothing but field goals at the end of the game. When they when that offense had a, a shot to uh, to move downfield, score a touchdown, and really nail things down, and the defense to stop them and, and, and force them to kick a field goal and still give the Packers a shot at it, they keep giving this offense shots this year to get back and win a game. They've they've done it a few times where the defense does just enough to make sure the offense can get out and do what they need to do, and so not great, but still a confidence builder for me that this defense in the long term is going to be a very solid defense, especially when they improve the personnel that they have. Yeah. And I agree with you on that last part as well. They did get some stops and had some opportunities at the end of the game. And really to me, the big takeaway here is the play of Jair Alexander to have a cornerback like that. I said for a couple of weeks, I thought the Packers defense really missed him. I've 
described him as one of the top three players on defense already in the conversation with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. And he seems to be only, you know, increasing his uh, stature on that list. So just a, a phenomenal performance and just really, really excited about their young rookie cornerback. I mean, man, how good, how good has, is Brian Gutekunst's offseason looking? The, the rookie receivers, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, you know, the guys that are playing well and playing significant snaps and actually contributing to this team already. The amount of guys that he drafted that are doing so is an impressive number. And then you add on top of that, you know, the free agent additions that he made. Uh, he did a really good job fixing this broken roster to the point where it's at now. But I think I think it just it just needs a few more things it definitely needs a pass rusher it definitely needs uh a safety or two it it does need some help but man these rookies and the guys that um the guys that are coming in this year and and playing lights out already i'm really encouraged about the future of this football team i don't know i don't know about it this year as far as like making a run and, and winning a super bowl but i'm encouraged about the future i think brian gutekunst uh, did a great job this offseason finding guys that can really play ball. Yeah, it may take some time, but I agree. I think the Packers are in good hands with Gutekunst, and that shows with the Jair Alexander pick big time. Uh, taking a look quickly at the special teams, of course, the big takeaway here is going to be the Ty Montgomery fumble at the end of the game. It's come out now that he was never uh, supposed to even bring that out of the end zone, which I think is fairly obvious to most people even before that play started, but McCarthy had mentioned so after the fact. J.K. Scott had the bad punt that really, uh, you know, put the Packers in a poor position at the end of the game. Uh, the Packers had the punt that was down at the one yard line. Not sure they could have done a ton differently there, but that obviously didn't lead to success going forward. There was also the fake punt that went for a first down. It didn't re- really result in a ton, but some poor plays on special teams nonetheless. On the plus side, Mason Crosby was two of two on field goals and three of three on extra points, so five of five total. And Josh Jones was just a wrecking machine on special teams. That was a real positive to see as well. Uh, but general thoughts on the special teams play? Uh, before we get to that, did Josh Jones play any snaps defensively today? Not that I saw him. I'm pretty yeah. sure he did not. And I know, you know, you got to go back and watch and go through all those numbers, but it, I didn't see him on defense and, and, uh, I'm still rather surprised that some of these other guys are getting snaps over him. I think that really says a lot about where he's at as a player defensively, but special teams, man, he looked like, uh, somebody unleashed a banshee onto the field. Uh, he just, he was playing really well, which is, it's great to have those special teams guys. I do expect more out of Josh Jones, but it's good to have him playing well at special teams. Ty Montgomery, like, hello, Brandon Bostick. I, what, what more can we say? Like, that's such a stupid decision. If he knew that he wasn't supposed to bring it out, he totally just pulled a Brandon Bostick. It, do you think that that is a cuttable offense with, with the way that he's played this year? He's had some fumble issues from preseason on with kickoff returns. Do you think that that's a cuttable offense, what just happened there? You know, I think the offense in and of itself is probably cuttable. I don't cut Ty Montgomery for that specific situation. I don't think you compound the problem by, um, you know, cutting one of your best 53 players just to set an example. Right. Um, Certainly. yeah, but the the offense, yes, in and of itself, you know, if if you feel you need to move on from a player in that situation, I get it. But if it's me personally, I, I hold on to Ty Montgomery. So I ask that because a lot of people are saying cut him. And I even said it after the game, but I think that was just, you know, an emotional outburst. I was frustrated with things. But no, you don't cut the guy. I think what you do have to do with him, though, is set an example and start using him a lot less. Like, you, you got, you get, you cannot 
have the coaches telling you what you need to do and be so undisciplined to ignore them and come out of the end zone and basically take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands with a chance to go down and win the game. Ty Montgomery, you are nowhere near the level of Aaron Rodgers, and you don't belong being the guy to try to make that play. You should have been trying to get the ball into the hands of Aaron Rodgers. That was your number one job, and you you mucked it up by not following the 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 one simple thing that you should have done. And I just think they got to find somebody else to return kicks and he should lose some snaps on offense. I think they need, there needs to be some kind of, um, from Mike McCarthy, he needs to respond in some way. Guys need to understand you cannot be so undisciplined that you're not listening to simple instructions. That's simple. Yeah, I, I'm totally good with that result uh, to have him, you know, see his playing time decreased on offense and go with a different kicker turner. Uh, I'm totally on board with that. And it, here's the really crazy thing about that play. If he takes that out and returns it to, let's say, the 27-yard line, that's a bad play. And what I mean by that is, yeah, you maybe gain two yards from just kneeling it down in the end zone, but you lose time and you lose the two-minute warning that they, right. they have. Yeah as well so like the the amount and and here's the other thing how many kick returns do you see that end in a special teams penalty especially with the Packers this season as well so even if you get it out there there's a really great chance that a penalty could potentially bring you back to inside the 15 yard line maybe even inside the 10 so you have to be insanely sure in that situation if you're bringing that out that one you're going to make a big play and two, that nothing horrible is going to happen. And even, again, even if he houses that, there's nothing to say that there wasn't a penalty to get him to that point. So the, the taking it out in that situation is just a, such a, such a horrible decision. And, uh, you know, even then, obviously, compounding it by fumbling the ball and really losing the team, any opportunity to go win that game was really the costly error there. But even, even just the simple decision was poor to begin with, even before he fumbled it, which is really I- saying. I, the other thing is, like, I wanted the offense to be able to take their time to get downfield and burn off some of that clock. Yeah. I didn't want you, even if you return that kick for a touchdown, you're still handing the ball back to the Rams and giving them a chance to get back into the game. You know, that wasn't you scoring a touchdown there. It's not a walk off. Okay. So the wise thing to do is just kneel and get it to Rodgers. Let the offense burn some clock and get down and score and make it really difficult for that offense to come out and score. When the defense is in it, put the defense in a winning position where when they come out, the clock is in their favor and the Rams are going to struggle to get downfield because they're, because everybody knows what they need to do. Everybody knows they need to go deep and get downfield. The defense then has the advantage. Don't, it didn't, it didn't make any sense to bring it out. Like there was no, the, I think the only thing that happened was the ball came to him and he thought this is my moment. And he just went, you know, he just went with it and it was a really bad choice, really poor choice. We're definitely, definitely on the same page there. Uh, things do not get any easier from here, Jeremy. They go at new England next week. They get Miami at home. They go at Seattle on a short week, all the way to the West coast. And then they go at Minnesota. And besides the fact that these are really good football teams that they're playing coming up three of the four being on a road on the road, excuse me, they have a ton of travel in here as well. So they just were all the way West coast in LA. Mm -hmm. They now go all the way East coast to new England. They come back home for a week, go at Seattle all the way West Coast again on a short week, and then they come back and they go at Minnesota. So this is a brutal stretch. They had the opportunity to maybe steal a game that they shouldn't have won or weren't expected to win today, and now it just gets even maybe more hard. So where does Green Bay go from here, and where do you see them after these next four games? Well, first of all, I think they have to beat the Patriots now. I think I said that they needed to win 
one of these two games between the Rams and the Patriots for me to start to feel like maybe they're going to get this on track. And now I feel like they have to beat the Patriots. If they lose this week to the Patriots, I'm going to feel like maybe the season is not going to end well. I'm not going to make a prediction how it's not going to end well. I'm just going to say it's not going to end in the Super Bowl. They, this is a team with talent. They need to figure out how to win and do it now. And they're already behind the eight ball. So after those four games, I, I'm not confident they're going to be able to beat Minnesota in Minnesota. And that tie with Minnesota and Green Bay really hurts them because if they go into Minnesota and, and lose that game, now Minnesota has the upper hand there. And and so coming out of this, I they I don't know. They better come out of that four-game stretch with one loss. The the worst case scenario that they can do is two and two, in my opinion. The the end of the year schedule isn't brutal and a four and one, five and oh stretch, if they were to really get things going, isn't totally unthinkable. But if they are anything worse than that, if they're one and three in that group, it makes things insanely difficult. And an O and four is a franchise changing, you know, streak there. Cause they would have then lost five in a row. And really any shot at any momentum is almost gone. Right. On the flip side, they go three and one or four and oh, and things look totally different. And they have all the momentum in the world going in uh, to a better, you know, five game stretch at the end of the year and maybe able to make a run. So these next four games, I think can really not only change the course of the season, but potentially change the course of this franchise with where things go with Mike McCarthy and everything like that. Because the difference between a three and one and a one and three, a four and oh, or an oh and four is monumental in this scenario. They need to go three and one. I just think they do. They got to get their crap back together. You know, teams are winning in the NFC. It's not like, you know, they need to figure out how to, how to get this division back in their hands and, to do that, they need to start start winning in bunches. They need to start doing it in clumps, and it needs to start right now. And, you know, it sucks they're going into this tough stretch, and this is where they have to get it started. But, hey, that's football. That's how it works. You need, you need to win the games you're supposed to win. And when you don't, then you're put up against the wall, and you need to win games that are tough to win. And that's where they're, they're at right now. No, I agree with you there. And we're on the same page. I think three and three and one would be, uh, like you said, a much needed, you know, aid for this team and where they're at right now. But I just think with the schedule, the way it is, I think that one or that three and one is going to be an insanely tough ask, especially the way that they're overall playing as a football team. But that's why they play the games. That's why it's so fun. And it's going to be a really, you know, great stretch of four games one way or the other. I think you're going to see four very close games in the next four weeks. And that should make for some like really entertaining football, which ultimately is fantastic. So last thing I wanted to cover today, there were some rumors earlier today that HaHa Clinton Dix could be on the trading block and that the Packers could be in the market for an edge rusher to really help out the defense. Anything you think is going to happen here within the next 48 to 72 hours before the trade deadline? No, not really. I mean, at the best, best case scenario, they trade away HaHa Clinton Dix. I don't think they bring anybody in. I think they trade HaHa for picks at best. And even that is questionable. Does do other teams also watch film? They know that there are plays where HaHa has lackluster performances. There, there are plays where it's clear that he makes decisions to not finish on a play because it, it, what it looks like to me as a fan is that it's a business decision, you know, to not, to not get himself hurt. He plays to protect himself sometimes. And that, you know, that's fine. Nobody wants to be hurt. But you also have to understand, like, tackling is part of the game. When you have a chance to make a play, you need to make that play. And just because it looks like it could do some damage, you you can't pull up on it. Those are the, that's that's a choice that you need to make. You know, so he said this year 
is his, is like a big interview for him. You know, it's this giant interview. But if you're playing as inconsistently as you are, and I know Pro Football Focus had him rated as like the second second best safety in the league, but anyone with eyes understands that that's not that's not a fair measurement for how he's played because the guy makes plays. He can make plays, but he also is a guy who will look like a complete buffoon on a play. And it's happened all too often in the last two years. And so if this is the way that he's playing before he gets paid, I don't want to see what it looks like after he gets paid. So other teams know that. I think other teams have to know that, that his effort is suspect and questionable at times. And I don't know that anybody's really going to want to give a lot for haha. I do know this after these rumors, I am confident he's not going to be a Packer next year. I agree with you on all, on all of those takes. I, I don't think he'll be back next year. I don't think they're going to unload him because I don't think they're going to get in return what they would want to, to kind of upset the apple cart of what's going on at safety right now, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I think they'll probably hang on to him. And I think maybe had they won today, maybe they would have been a little bit more aggressive in trying to get a game-changing edge rusher. Right. I think after today, my wonder is if maybe they don't see – a little bit more of the writing on the wall that they're in a tough position. Their next four games are brutal and you don't want to get into a position where you're trading away a lot in, in really what's a seller's market and not a buyer's market or a player that maybe helps you get into the playoffs. But even that could be a tough ask. So I don't see a ton happening. Maybe if they're looking to improve a player that maybe would have helped out a lot today and maybe could help with that return game going forward would be a Trevor Davis. So, Jeremy, just remind us again where we can find you on Twitter and where we can find your work. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Jeremy RVDL. You can find me at Cheesehead TV. You can actually listen to Cheesehead TV live on Spotify, uh, iTunes podcast app, pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast. You can probably find Cheesehead TV live so you can listen to me there. All right. So we will end on that note. Jeremy, it has been a pleasure. If we're looking for any good news today, uh, the Vikings are currently losing to the Saints. They're down 17 late. So it looks as we're recording this, so it looks like they're going to lose. The Lions lost earlier today. The Bears won, but the division is certainly still there for the taking. There's a lot of positives left. I certainly appreciate you joining me today. And, and as we touched base on earlier, kind of giving me my first chance as a writer. So greatly appreciate that. You can find you again on Twitter at Jeremy RVDL. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. You can follow our podcast at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to listen tomorrow as Matt and Janelle continue to break down the game. Episode 100, our 100th episode is coming up this Friday. Make sure to listen to that. We've got a couple special guests planned. And then uh, the Packers round in New England. We've got Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, an epic matchup. Regardless of where the teams are at, this is Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. This is fantastic. So really, really excited for this. Jeremy, any last thoughts today? Nope. I gave you all I got. Thanks for letting me come on your show. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks as always for everyone who's listening. And as always, go Pack Go. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a Out of the end zone, leaping right yes. at the Montana. Yes! Touchdown, Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone. Rodgers from the 42, New York, fourth down and two. Snap to 